Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> the ride of your life, that's what we're wrapping up today. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout. My name's Mike, one of the pastors on the team. It really has been such an honor, humbling privilege to, to walk with you through this season. Um, and the metaphor, by way of sort of a review, is when I taught my son Caleb to ride his bike, there were five lessons that I think God kind of infused into the process. And I've recognized since then that these are really life lessons that we have to learn again and again and again. And they're a part of embracing the abundant life that Jesus invites us into in John 10.10. 10. He says, I've come that they may have life and life to the full. And as we get our minds and, and around these lessons, as we get our lives around these lessons, we are experiencing that. And, and they're all God's lessons. Lesson number one, by way of review, is no fear. No fear, how come? Because your Father is with you. Your Heavenly Father will never leave you, never forsake you. He's holding you, guiding you, and supporting you in your life. Lesson number two is balance. How do you balance? You pedal. We generate momentum in our life in order to balance the things that God has for us. Number three is steering. Where you look, you go. So make sure we're looking and steering our life into a magnificent story that God has for us. Lesson number four is breaking, how to slow, when to stop. And lesson number five is what we're talking about today, starting from a standstill, often after a crash. I found this quote Although no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. And it's true. And when my son Caleb showed up, lesson number five, he was Davidic. He was a warrior poet roaring a victory psalm. He knew he was ox strong, a flourishing cedar of Lebanon, vital and green. His confidence was infectious. And so we did a review just like I did with you. We went through all of the lessons. And I said, buddy, are you ready for your last lesson? He said, way ready, dad. He was already a road warrior. And so I said, now listen, Caleb, in all of the other lessons, I have held the bike for you while you got on. I steadied it, and I got you going in your momentum. And I said, that's how you learn to master these other four lessons. But lesson number five is called starting from a standstill, which means that you're going to be the one with your own will and skill, you're going to have to start from a standstill all on your own. And he said, you mean I just have to do it by myself? That's the whole lesson? And I said, that's the lesson. And so he said, let's go. So we walked up the street. There's a street near our house that's flat and long and relatively traffic-free. And we got up there, and he got on. He pushed hard with his right foot to start, and the bike sort of wobbled to the right, and he fell. Hopped back up. He said, I need to pedal harder. I was like, all right, go for it. So he jumped on again. He pedaled hard. Same thing, fell to the right. I was watching to see if discouragement would creep in. He jumped back on. And this time, he pushed with both of his feet against the ground, generating a wobbling momentum. And as he was gliding forward, he put his feet on the pedals and began to go, and he had it. So I ran along with him, encouraging him for a while. And uh, then I instructed him, why don't you go ahead and stop completely and then do it again just to practice. And he did. And from then on, it was breakthrough. 
So not even 10 minutes later, we ran back in the house. He said, Mom, Mom, let's go for a bike ride. And so Jody came out with us. We began to ride together. And Jody, being the great mom that she is, just gushed over his prowess. There has never been a biker who has learned to ride a bike as thoroughly as you have learned, Caleb. Uh, no biker has ever looked as handsome as you look while you ride, Caleb. Of course, he just beamed with victory. And I want you to see that in these five lessons, he overcame. He experienced the victory that God had in store for him in the midst of this current challenge, and it really was the beginning of all kinds of adventure in his life. But I want to say to you that starting from a standstill really is the display of mastery in your life as well. We need to be able to begin again from a dead stop because crashes happen. Chances are they have already happened in your life. If they haven't, good news, it will happen at some point. But when it happens, please remember, if you're filling in the blanks, crashing is not the end. Crashing is not the end. I remember when my daughter Alex was learning to ride her bike, and, and as she was kind of getting all the pieces, she ended up uh, steering her bike and, and head, uh, you know, kind of endowing into a ditch in our, near our home. And my wife Jody and I were there. We ran to her and scooped her up, comforted her, tried to, to calm her and dry her tears. But my dad's heart was broken. My, as her daddy, because she's such a strong and tough, courageous little girl, and yet this crash left her weeping and fearful, all of the joy of riding gone. And the reason why my heart was broken for her is because I understood what you also understand. Crashing is simply part of learning to ride. It's simply something that happens as we go through the journey. And that's why starting again from a standstill means that you've mastered the art. Maybe after a particularly hard crash, you've got no momentum and little motivation. You want to give up the ride. True courage is displayed right there. My dad always used to say to me, it's not a sin to get knocked down, but it is a sin to stay there. And look what the scripture says, Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So friends, what this passage says is that crashing is not the end. It's simply the beginning of a new thing. Life is a series of starting over. His grace is new every day. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. And I could just point to some biblical examples. If you recall what you know throughout all of Scripture, there are many folks who fell. They somehow found themselves in a ditch, and then they get back on the bike, and they start again. Think way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve, Cain, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, Jonah, Daniel, Peter, all of the disciples who ran away when Jesus was arrested. The apostle Paul, John Mark, the list goes on and on. In fact, I would argue that there is nobody in the whole canon of scripture nor in the annals of history who hasn't derailed at some point 
and had to start over after crashing in a ditch. But friends, God is not put off by our crashes, whether they're life-inflicted or others-inflicted or self-inflicted. And it would not be a stretch to say that there is a humility and a wisdom that comes from having to start again. God often uses folks in Act 2 more powerfully for his kingdom than ever would have been possible before the ditch. But in order to experience the fullness of what God desires, you must get back on the bike. You must get back on the bike after a fall. Mark Twain says this, get a bicycle. You will certainly not regret it if you live. And we know that some crashes rock our world more than others. Some rattle your cage and leave you seeing double. We also know that the harder the crash, the more healing is required. I'm thinking of my buddy Jack and his young son Noah, battling hard for Noah's young life and celebrating the moments along the way, moments that have become infinitely more precious since the diagnosis. Or my friend Ethan, a hardworking and highly skilled contractor whose career was affected by the housing market crash, and he struggled to get solid full-time employment ever since. Or my good buddy Mason, who has wrestled depression for years, including falling into a darkness so deep that it nearly caused him to take his own life. You don't need any more examples to realize that crashes happen to all of us. And when they do, what are you going to do? You going to give up? Don't do that. Remember, you've got a father who loves you. Your father is holding you. Don't be afraid because you've got a father who can bring glory out of even the most YouTube-worthy crash. I have a friend named Lily whose husband left her for the woman that he was having an affair with. And he left his church at the same time. He was a pastor. He found himself trying to get a new job, a new career, a new direction, and as he did this, he also discovered that he was miserable, poor, and alone. His kids, of course, were bewildered and hurt, and Lily was disoriented as well in an indescribable amount of confusion and pain. This crash had left a ton of collateral damage. And as they were beginning to walk the road of divorce at his request, she felt the prompting of God. She wrestled with it for a long time, but finally she, she submitted to the prompting that God was putting on her heart, and, and she went to her husband and said, look, if you truly want out, I'll walk that road, but if you want to reconsider, if you want to value our family again, if you want to value me again, knowing that it means counseling, it means forgiveness, it means starting over in all of the ways that it, it, it will take. And she was interrupted by his sobs. Oh, thank God, he cried. I have been such a selfish, self-centered word I can't say in church. I can't even believe the guy I've become. And she said, well, you don't have to be that guy anymore. And they both started again cautiously after a crash. The scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, see there's a humility that is required. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want to circle one word, circle the word all. 
that if we are humble before God, if we confess where it is that we've crashed, he will forgive us. He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It brings us to the next truth. Though bruised, we bounce. Though bruised, we bounce. General Patton says, success is how high you bounce when you hit bottom. Ten years ago, my younger brother, Mark, was struck by a car. He was driving along the 55 freeway down in Southern California when he witnessed an accident between two other vehicles. And so he pulled his car off onto the shoulder and exited his car seeking to help. As he was walking well away from the highway, deep onto the shoulder, a drunk driver came up onto the scene, speeding erratically. He saw the two vehicles that were crashed, and he veered to avoid them, but instead of going onto the open lanes of the highway, he veered off onto the shoulder where my brother was walking. He struck my brother. My brother flew over 60 feet into the air, landed in some trees. He was bruised and battered. Everything was bruised internally. Several of his bones were broken, including his femur, which was completely shattered. And that, through no fault of his own, it represented a starting over. He went through all kinds of surgery, all kinds of care. They had to to repair his femur. And even a year and a half later, it turned out that the shattered leg healed an inch and a half shorter than his other leg. So he had to have surgery to remove an inch and a half from his good femur so that his legs would be the same length. He literally had to learn how to walk again. And through it all, the Lord met him with courage and faith and humor. Honestly, my brother's one of my heroes. He overcame. He started again from a standstill. And now, 10 years later, you'd never know it. He's energetic and he's joyful. He's a father of four amazing kiddos, married to my kids, Aunt Kristen. He's energetic, athletic, kayaks off of the Southern California coast, and he never complains about the inch and a half that he lost. He was six foot three. Now he's six foot one. If that happened to me, I'd be a hobbit. As it is, I'm still wondering why they couldn't put that inch and a half right here in these legs, you know. But I want to tell you that the challenge is, though bruised, we bounce. After a crash, we get back on. We, we recognize that crashing is not the end. True story, March 10th, 2012, a biker named Levi Leifheimer crashed three times in a single leg of the Tour de France. The first time, it was his own fault. He was fiddling with his jacket, and a sleeve slipped into his front spokes, and he went end over. Second time, wasn't his fault. Another biker, a competitor, clipped his back tire, and he went down. A third time, his whole team had gathered around him, and they were making a move into first place. They were just seconds out of first. And as they were coming around a corner on a descent, all of them had gathered around Levi, And they came around the corner, and there was a police motorcycle unfortunately parked right where it shouldn't have been. And they all crashed into it and went down. Three times, one leg of the race, just seconds out of first. And uh, director Brian Holmes said, I think we set a record for the number of crashes on the cold events, but that's racing. See, I want you to understand that crashing is always a bummer. 
Falling always induces frustration, and occasionally it prevents a specific win that you had your sights set on. But as Holm points out, that's racing. That's what it looks like in this journey of life. And you're never exactly ready for a crash either. Nobody is really prepared. That's why it's called an accident. But look at this, Psalm 37, 24. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Friends, Jesus knows of our capacity for crashing. He knows all of the ways we fall. He knows it more intimately than we can understand because what he did on the cross was acknowledge all of your sin, all of your brokenness, and take it upon himself. And he did this for all of us. He took every rape and every murder. He took every enslaving oppression and every hate-filled scream. He took all of our interpersonal warfare and all of our interpersonal junk, all of our lustful, greedy, vain ambitions. Jesus took every shame-filled moment that we have ever created for ourselves, and he pulled it onto himself, and it was nailed to the cross with him. He knew exactly how much we needed forgiveness, and so he paid for forgiveness with his life. And even as he took all of our darkness onto himself, he prayed the words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Just when we've experienced the most painful crash possible, Jesus is there to wrap us in his arms of grace, to pick us up with his love, and to help us get back on the bike. See, whether our prison has barbed wire and walls or the prison exists between our ears, Jesus meets us there with his courage and grace and strength to start again. We can bounce after a fall because grace is based on God's character, not on our crashes. It's measured by God's infinite capacity, not on our finitude. You see, the grace of Jesus does not depend upon me. As humans, we're arrogant and egocentric by nature. We think that his grace must be based on how we perform. But listen, friends, God doesn't reject believers when they sin because salvation isn't based on human accomplishment. Salvation is based on Jesus' accomplishment. God doesn't reject me when I fall because his love is unconditional, it's everlasting, it's never-ending, and my salvation isn't based on my performance, it's based on Christ's performance. It's based on God's desire to shower my life and your life with his mercy, his mercies, which by the way, are new every morning. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. One disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You see, the righteous fall seven times, but they rise. They bounce. They get moving again and bless God for the sevenfold tenacity that comes from having the power of Jesus inside. So let me ask you, in starting the new venture, have you stumbled? In attempting a new intimacy with Christ, have you faltered? In striving to balance some area of your life, have you crashed? Is there a place in your parenting or in your career or in your education or in your soul 
where you've steered yourself into a ditch. Well, friends, if there is, then I can encourage you, get back on the bike. Get moving again. Embrace the power of God in a new day. Start again from a standstill. It's time for you to bounce. A couple of examples from Overlake in our family here. I know a gal in our church who bounced and now is living 17 years sober after addiction had tanked her life and relationships. I know a man who bounced and in humble love reached out to an estranged daughter after 27 years of silence. I know another man who found Christ in prison, bounced, and now leads a ministry to inmates. I know a woman who at age 18 was pressured into an abortion and she regretted it intensely and Jesus met her right there bringing healing and grace. And now she is using her story to help encourage others who feel pressure, who feel alone. As the pastor of Overlake, I've been honored to see hundreds of stories of how through faith in Jesus, we can bounce again after a fall. And so I want you to think about these five lessons. I want you to think about what it is that Jesus is trying to do in your life through them. Talk about having no fear because he is with you and balancing well with momentum and steering well into a magnificent story, breaking well to enjoy the fullness that he has and, and then starting again after a crash and realize that when you master these lessons, you will be the master of the circumstances or the challenges that he's bringing to you right now. But often, friends, God has more in store for you than what you're facing right now. In fact, often what happens is he wants you to master these lessons right now so that you will be ready for the next challenge that comes your way. Maybe the bike that God really wants you to ride is going to come into your life in the next year or the next three years, but it's important for you to master these lessons now so that you'll be ready when they come. Let me use as an example King David's life. David started out as a shepherd. And what we don't think about too much is that a shepherd in ancient Israel, that was the lowest job you could have. It was, a, it was a family chore so vile that the only people who would agree to do it were the youngest kids in the family because, you know, the older brothers could make him do it. And so David was the youngest in his family, and they made him be the shepherd, go out and take care of the sheep. And so he did it. And he went out, and he was protecting his father's flock, and a lion came. And so David then had to master the set of circumstances that he found himself in with the Lord's help, and he was able to save the sheep from the lion. And so now he's mastered that, that skill set of protecting the flock from a lion, but we don't know if a lion ever came back around. So he mastered that skill set, but we do know that a bear came. So now he's got to fight a bear and protect the sheep, and I'm imagining that fighting a bear is a little bit different than fighting a lion. I say imagine. I've never done it. You might think I have. I haven't. And so he fights off a bear, and now he's got this confidence that he's, he's now with the Lord's help. He's mastered one set of circumstances, and then it led him into this next set of circumstances that, again, with the Lord's help, he masters. And as you know the story, he goes to give his brothers some food one day. They were serving in Israel's army, and, and as he goes to deliver that food, he hears the giant Goliath taunt the armies of the living God. 
And what does David do? Does he say, you know, I don't do giants. I do bears. If it was a bear, I'd take it. But I, that, that's in my wheelhouse. Lion, yeah, I'd do it. But I don't do, you know, giants. No. He says, I've already mastered with God's help defeating a lion. I've already mastered with God's help defeating a bear. With God's help, I'll defeat this giant. This is what he says. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. If you ever wanted the most manly description of defeating a lion, that's it. Catch it by the mouth, the sharp part, and then just club it to death. David did that. He says, I've done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, will rescue me from this Philistine. So God used one set of circumstances to prepare him for the next set of circumstances, which prepared him for the next set of circumstances. When he defeated the giant, how many more giants came around for him to defeat? See, it wasn't so that he would now be the professional giant killer. It's so that he would have the confidence in the Lord to be the leader of the nation. What God is taking you through right now, friends, is preparing you for something that he has in store for you. And so if you're filling in the blanks, ask this question of God. What is the next the Lord is preparing me for? What is the next season? What is the next challenge? What is the next adventure? Churchill says, every day you may make progress. Every step may be fruitful, yet there will stretch out before you an ever-lengthening, ever-ascending, ever-improving path. You know you will never get to the end of the journey, but this, so far from discouraging, only adds to the joy and glory of the climb. And so as we wrap this up, friends, I want you to understand that the point of learning to ride is never simply learning to ride. The point of learning to ride is the adventure that it launches you on. And when you learned to ride a bike for the very first time, incredible adventure suddenly beckoned to you. New horizons opened up to you. Glorious vistas were now within your reach. Abundance, fullness, life on the edge of your banana seat. And now, let me ask you, what are you doing right now that compares even slightly to that feeling you had then? Where are you challenging yourself? Where are you learning a new skill? Where are you saying yes to Jesus in a fresh way? Where are you seeking wholeness in the areas of brokenness or enriching your current skill set or finding new ways to communicate age-old truths? What bike are you learning to ride right now? See, God has this incredible purpose for your life, and part of your his purpose for you is that you would learn and grow, expand and overcome. But this is not for your inflation or arrogance. See, the book of Revelation reminds us that we receive our crowns from the Lord only that we may offer them at the foot of his throne. 
We must spend our lives going deeper with him, maximizing our impact, bettering ourselves, sucking the marrow out of the life that he has provided for us. And this is not only for our best, it is for his glory. He gets our crowns thankfully received and joyfully offered. Revelation 4.10, they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God. When I was growing up, I watched a cartoon often called The Jetsons. Show of hands, anybody know what I'm talking about? God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. Watching The Jetsons, what that means for me is that I have always wanted a flying car that folds into a briefcase. (laughs) And there's this company out there that I've been intrigued with. It's called Terrafugia. It's a Latin word. It means escape earth. And the interesting thing to me about this company is it was started by five students at MIT. Their freshman year at MIT, they all got together. They started whiteboarding this dream, this passion they all had. That was to create flying cars. Could it be done? The physics are there. We have the know-how. They started whiteboarding and coming up with all the equations and and just dreaming about what this would look like. And and then they left school and they got some venture capitalists to back it. They had the know-how. And so for years, their passion was, was just pushing them onward, compelling them to come up with Can we do this? And they were driven, I imagine, by a singular question as they worked and built and scrapped and restarted and and, and created schematics and then scrapped those and and replanned. And and the question that was driving them was the singular question, can we make it fly? And in March of 2009, the Terrafugia transition prototype took to the air. This amazing reality that you can, for just a small price tag, (laughs) you can have a car that wings fold up, you park it in your garage, you drive it to the gas station, fill up, take a day trip to Niagara Falls, all yours for just a small $350,000. They were driven by the question, can we make it fly until they made it fly? And now the only question that remains is where shall we go? And so in your faith journey, in your walk with the Lord, I encourage you to tune in to God's spirit and you listen to the promptings that he's stirring in your life. You know, he's the one who's who's encouraging us toward the adventure that he has in store. And as you listen to God's spirit, ask, what is the next adventure that you're guiding me on? What do you want to do in my life and through my life? What is the next horizon that you want me to explore? And whatever it is, understand these lessons are key. Don't be afraid because the Lord is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you balance by generating momentum so you can balance the things that God has for you. Steering where you look, you go. So look at Jesus and follow him. Breaking, slow down, and enjoy the ride.
And the last, when you fall, when you stumble, when you end up in a ditch, don't let that be the end. But start again from a standstill and understand that crashing is simply part of the ride. You can do it. You'll be glad you did. Abundant life is at stake. God's glory will be revealed through you. Your family needs you to model this. The kingdom is at hand. And as you master these lessons, your universe will be expanded. You will go places you only dreamed of going. You will overcome. And you will do things, accomplish goals. You'll touch hearts, change lives, and reveal the kingdom. This bike that God is calling you to ride, it's for your best and for his glory. So what are you waiting for? Pick up your bike. Use a clothespin to clip the ace of spades to your spokes. Kick your leg up over that banana seat. It's time to take the ride of your life. I want you to bow your heads. We're going to pray together. And Jesus, we simply begin by praying. The truth is it all starts with you. This abundance, this fullness, this adventure, it's all, it's all a part of your grace. And so we say yes to you now. And I have a feeling that there are some here who have never said yes to you. They've never trusted you and received the gift of grace that you have for them. And so today, in the midst of this moment, with all of our eyes closed and heads bowed, we have the safety just to be honest with you. And if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, just recognize that what makes the family, what, what, what makes this, this community of people who follow Jesus is the recognition that we've all crashed. We've all fallen. Every one of us. And so we all confess these to the Lord now. Every one of us has sinned and stumbled. We have all chosen poorly. And we're the ones who have borne the wounds. And so we confess all of these things to Jesus. Maybe you want to do that for the very first time. We say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I've sinned. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that have hurt you and hurt others and hurt myself. But I trust that your grace is sufficient. I trust that there's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. I trust that you have the best plan for my life. And I want to follow you. I want to walk with you in this adventure. And for all the rest of us, for all those who already know Jesus, we simply recommit ourselves to Jesus today. We simply come humble before the Lord and, and tell the Lord, Jesus, thank you for all of the ways that you have showered fresh mercy on our lives again and again and again, where you have graced us with your love again and again and again. Thank you for allowing us to start over. We receive your fresh start today, and we ask that you would allow us to experience the fullness of your adventure, the fullness of life you have. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ, amen.